everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the Schmooze, JGS High's podcast. Everybody's doing great, having a great week so far. It's Monday, sleepy day. Uh, we are joined today by Aaron Alter. Aaron is the Executive Vice President and Chief Legal Officer of Hawaiian Airlines. Aloha. How are you, Aaron? What's going on? Aloha, Rabbi. It's uh, great being here. Thank you for uh, having me. It's the honor and the pleasure is ours. Uh, Aaron, let's get started. If you give us your bio in three minutes or less, tell us about yourself, your life story, how you got to where you are. We'd love to hear it. Well, um, I've been very fortunate uh, in many ways in my life. Uh, was born in Taiwan. Uh, my father was a teacher of English as a second language. We moved to Hawaii when I was seven and I went to through public schools here uh, left for college in New England, um, got my undergraduate degree and my JD and MBA at Harvard, uh, two years in between college and graduate school, living and working in Asia, um, and then practiced corporate law in Silicon Valley for 30 years um, when I finally figured out a way to come home, uh, took the job here in Hawaii in 20. 16, and I've been the EVP and CLO uh, for the last seven years here. What has it been like? You know, the COVID craziness with airlines was pretty nuts. People weren't traveling, and I, I traveled a decent amount. I, I wasn't traveling. What was that like? How did you, you know, who were the people who were in the room where it happens uh, to make those decisions, and, and what influenced your decisions? So uh, COVID was, of course, uh, um, an extraordinary ordeal for the planet, uh, the airline industry was particularly hard hit. Um, we here are dependent on leisure travel almost exclusively, except for our inner island business. And in essence, grounded most of our, of our fleet for, for a while. Uh, had to uh, send people home. Um, we were fortunate to get um, CARES Act money as did all other U.S. carriers, which enabled us to see our way through those two years. It's still affecting us. The, the hangover, if you will, continues. Our Japan business, which is about 25% of our business, hasn't fully returned, and that's had a, an economic impact on us. Yeah, I was in the room, and I, you know, I can remember being here late. Um, there were very few people coming into the office at that time. We, we sent people home, but the executive team was coming in and we had to send out um, notices to uh, under federal and state law of having to lay people off for a while. And just looking at the list of names uh, of our 7,000 plus employees, uh, we, people took voluntary leave and we were able to pay folks for most of the time they were off, but it is very poignant because the, the airline is, is a sort of our, it's our work family. It's our work, uh, Mishpaka or Ohana, if you will. Why is that, uh, that it's it's mostly travel for, for pleasure? Uh, have you guys tried to target more of the business traveler or do you just solely focus on the traveler who's going on vacation? So Hawaiian Airlines is in a unique position of being a little less than 2% of the domestic market in terms of our, um, our market share, David. And yet we're the largest and one of the largest employers in the state. So this, there's, there's this anomaly and our entire business involves 
transporting people to and from Hawaii or between islands in Hawaii. So business travel is not a big part of the Hawaii um, travel industry. It's just a leisure devoted economy. Um, and that was, so that was, that was a, that was, that's one reason. Um, second, um, every one of our flights emanates in or returns to Hawaii. We do not fly up and down the West Coast. We don't fly intra-city on the mainland. We don't fly intra-city elsewhere. We fly some charters for sports teams and for the military, but other than that, we are Hawaii's airline. So it's a, it's a unique niche, if you will, which is in some ways is highly defensible. In other ways, it really subjects us to um, the economic impact on the, on, the, um, on the leisure travel industry. So just as our hotels here shut down and a lot of our businesses shut down and many of our restaurants went out of business, we had to really, um, really tuck in our, our horns and get through this uh, without, and I think we're affected more, more than others in, in some ways as, as a consequence. What is the, uh, what is the vision for the airline? Like, what is your, what is your next move? I, mean, I know you guys are uh, <laughs> trying to actively expand and get bigger. Um, you know, what is, uh, what is, what is your next big move? What are you guys thinking about? Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's a, uh, I mean, for, I, I love the job. It's been super um, exciting and interesting. It's an incredibly dynamic industry, most highly regulated, highly misunderstood, um, often um, come for, come in for a lot of, you know, we're B2C and in our industry, everybody's a C, everybody's a consumer, a customer of, of an airline, you know, the percentage of, people around the globe, especially in America, who fly is, is, is extraordinarily high uh, and has been for the last several decades. So we, within the last five years, have set have, have started new routes to Austin, Texas, to Boston, Massachusetts, and I guess it's been a little more than five years, to New York. These are direct flights from Honolulu. And our revenue folks are always looking for where is there a market where we can effectively compete and fly people directly. Um, literally every airline flies to Hawaii because it's an important destination for them to burn miles for their frequent flyers. So we compete with every big airline domestically that comes here. And then we compete with every big airline coming from Asia and Australia too, because they, they they have folks who want to come here. And then inner Island, we've now have a very formidable competitor in Southwest, which has established an inner Island business. And, these airlines are all like orders of magnitude bigger than us. So we're, we're, when we look at expansion, it needs to be one where we've got a competitive uh, advantage. And so we try to find cities where there's enough um, traffic coming that we feel we can offer something unique. You know, everybody flies the same metal. What sets us apart is just that spirit of aloha, which is a real thing. And our people live it and demonstrate it on board and in the airports. And, and so we were able to charge a premium over some of the low cost carriers as a result. And that's kind of our business model. It's a, it's, it's a tough one to execute on and it's incremental as opposed to transformational. Having said that, we recently announced that we're, we've been, uh, we're gonna fly a fleet of cargo planes for Amazon. Um, so that's a whole new revenue stream for us, which is a super 
exciting uh, development uh, for for Hawaiian. I have more questions about the Amazon cargo sh uh, 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 shipments as well, but uh, going, you know, let's say I am, um, you know, in middle America potential customer and I'm looking at all the airlines and I guess why I'm choosing Hawaiian is for the customer service. Right. Right. Hawaiian starts when you get on board. I mean, you just, you just feel it. So, um, and how do you, how do you build that company culture? Well, you know, our, our company culture is a reflection of the Hawaii culture. Uh, I think if, if, if you spend any time here, people relate to one another in a, in a way that's, difficult to um, describe in words, but it's one of, of caring. It's one of um, being tolerant of differences. The, the Hawaii population is a, is a true melting pot of, of groups that came to work in the sugar plantations from Asia. And then Americans coming initially as uh, missionaries and then sugar planters and then uh, it was Katie bar the door after World War II when a lot of GIs had come in and out of the South Pacific and wanted to come back and relocate. So um, that that sense of um, of welcome and hospitality is sort of ingrained in in um, in Hawaiian culture, and it's one that our workforce reflects. So we we have uh, four pillars of of our culture, their Hawaiian words that that reflect a commitment to hospitality um, and service uh, and excellence um, that that we really try to live. And I think you know, with a lot of corporate cultures, David, it starts at the, with there's a tone at the top. And so, um, being a leader in the company, I try to model that uh, every day, and as does the rest of the senior management team there. What's hard though, and I, I don't think there's an increase in crazy people flying. I think there's just because we, I think it's because we have phones like who right away jump to record. Like I don't know. Like if I see somebody nuts in the plane, my my like my initial response is to just like put my headphones louder and close my eyes, you know. But people yeah. are recording and they're posting to social media. And how do you deal with these people? How do you deal with people who are in such a tough situation? And obviously there is a lack of awareness because they're going nuts. How do yeah. you, how you deal with it? What do you advise them to do? It's it's tricky. You know, our frontline, uh, our, our flight attendants and our flight crew get a lot of training in how to de-escalate. Um, but even when you're flying to and from Hawaii, which is the you know happiest place on earth, it's people are stressed when they travel. And during COVID, it was even worse when people were mask compliant or somebody would get on and be coughing and everybody around that person would be like, let me out of here. So we do what we can to diffuse. Uh, we try to uh, make sure that people who disrupt a flight or are caustic in any way to fellow pas passengers or our workforce, they are then um, put through a screen. Uh, uh, and I'm one of a couple officers who review all of these and we just deny them travel going forward. Sometimes from a limited period of time, sometimes indefinitely. And there have been instances where someone has behaved so badly that we've had to turn a flight around. And whenever we've done that, the law department then sues them for every dollar that we're out of pocket. So we've, we've taken a, 
while we're we try to be give you the spirit of aloha when whenever we can if, if you're not if somebody's truly disruptive um we'll we'll make sure they don't ever reflect us again and who makes that final decision in air is it the captain is it the head it's always the captain it's like when you're on a ship it's the captain when you're on a plane the captain is the one who always makes that call so if there's a passenger who can't be uh, mollified um, the flight crew will contact the flight deck and the captain will make a call and sometimes you know our, our big planes have two and sometimes three pilots on on board sometimes one of the pilots will come out and do an assessment on his or her own by the way we have more uh women pilots than any airline in the world and and uh, that's awesome really above the u.s so so there will be a pilot will come out and, and assess the situation and often um be able to say hey you know what can i do for you why don't you settle down you know we sometimes have fellow passengers will will help as well we'll help get somebody to calm down or um be subdued um you know we fly long long ways over the pacific and so it's not like we can just touch down in omaha en route to california so the pilot will make a determination what's the quickest way to get us to an airport that's not the destination if in fact somebody's being you know if, if, if the threat level is really high that happens very 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 rarely I know it happens rarely, but it feels like, you know, I think because uh, you're, you're on social media, it happens every day. Yeah. Um, going back to like the inter-island, um, you know, competition now and having Southwest yeah. there and, you know, it's, how do you, how do you guys stand out? I mean, you're, you're the native airline to, to the islands, right? And um, yeah. how are people making those decisions? Is your price point a little bit better or it's harder to compete because Southwest is so big? What do you guys do in that situation? We're, we're competing. We, uh, they put down a fare on a route and we match it. Um, and even though we, it might make us less profitable or unprofitable in the short run, um, this is our, this is our home. We've, we've been flying in Hawaii for 95 years. Um, and we're not going to cede, uh, the high ground here. Um, ultimately we fly more frequently. Um, we have a, just a better product and we're happy to compete on a level playing field. So um, we do that with all the all the big carriers. Um, Inner Island, Inner Island is a challenge because you know the entire state is comprised of about under one and a half million people, and the vast majority of them live on Oahu and three other um, uh, islands. And so there's a lot of traffic in between. We we fly doctors and members of construction crews to work and back every day they compete they commute on us so it's a very serious obligation we have to the community that we will continue to uphold um but it's it's tough we've you know that that's a that's that market has it's not really big enough for two big carriers to be flying as frequently as we all are we we keep we keep winning in terms of market share and passenger load um but the, the, the it, having price, some of the prices that we have to compete at are, it's untenable in the, in the long run, but then what is an untenable in the long run? Going back to the compliance for a second, I um, mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, such a, it's such a regulated industry um, yeah. and it seems like more and more regulations are being put into place every day practically. 
yeah. um, being the chief legal officer, you know, for all our, our law students out there, how do you deal with it on a daily basis? How do you figure out what is of, of more importance that you deal with on a day-to-day -day basis? And, um, and how are you dealing with, with, um, with the regulations? And should it be, should the industry be less regulated, more regulated, heading the right direction? What do you think? So there's no question that the industry is one that's so vital to our economy, to, to the global economy. And, um, and having a strong domestic um, airline industry is, is really a, an asset that we've got to protect. And I, I, so within that context of, of having to be regulated, because we rely on federal infrastructure, airports, FAA, there's just a lot of compliance with, with FAA, DOT, um, and it's everyone's job. You know, safety is, 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 primer, is the number one objective of all airlines. And we take all the obligations we have seriously. And so compliance is a second nature in this industry. Everybody who works at Hawaiian Airlines has an element of compliance in their job, whether they're mechanics or flight attendants or pilots or, or lawyers. So we have a small but mighty law department um, and we can't do it all. So we hire domain experts. I have regulatory counsel in DC that we engage with regularly. Um, we have expertise in any deep area in which we, we, we need legal expertise, whether it's leasing our aircraft or um, signing up Starlink to provide um, um, internet coverage on our flights. So, and all of that, of course, is also regulated. Everything has to get, every time you change an airplane or add a service, it's got to get approved by the FAA. So it just sort of becomes second nature here. Um, and it can be overwhelming if you were the only person who was responsible for it. But we, we, have, a, we have a safety department, we have a security department, we have all of our, all of our pilots and uh, all of our mechanics, everybody who's safety facing has to comply with all kinds of drug testing and retraining and, um, and just health maintenance uh, requirements. Um, and, and it's just sort of part of the, part of, part of the job. I mean, it, it's, it's something that you just learn to deal with. We're also a public company, so we're reporting quarterly, if not more frequently, on all business developments and, and things that, that might arise. So just a, you know, legal compliance is just a big, big part of every airline's. Uh, part of what you do, part of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this morning they announced, uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of big government. You know, I, I try to be, remain center. I like uh, even keel for both state and, and, and federal. But uh, today they, they were talking about putting in new guidelines for if, if an airline cancels on someone or is delayed and uh, they'll have to reimburse that person, which hasn't been done before. You know, airlines have kind of had a, uh, you know, really control over that kind of, that side of the relationship. What's your opinion about that? And what, what's, what's Hawaiian Airlines planning for, for uh, these kinds of travelers? Yeah, we mean we we know that regulation is sort of just part of being in, in the business. What what's being proposed by the administration and Secretary Buttigieg is not popular amongst airlines. And and actually, David, most airlines already do a lot of what they were being mandated to do, and a lot of the costs that would be um, we we incur 
if we're mandated to do X, Y, or Z in the event of a, of a delay that is uh, above, beyond a certain number of hours that's controllable by us, will be costs that invariably have to get passed on to consumers. So we, we strike that balance. You know, we, we lobby hard. Uh, we've got a trade organization called A4A Airlines for America, which speaks for the airline and is in DC and fights a good fight. But, you know, depending on the, the mindset of the administration and, and, and how, and sort of the, the, the political wins, we're, we're gearing for more, more regulation being imposed on us. It's just, that's just sort of uh, the way it is. It's not something that we welcome, but it's something we, we, we understand. Um, if you can walk us through your day-to-day, -day, how do you deal with issues and, you know, starting from the morning, what time are you waking up and what time are you going to sleep? Like, what is your average day like? So um, I, I work hard. Uh, people, um, and people who come in Hawaii are sometimes surprised that there's a thriving business community here of lawyers and doctors and accountants and business people who work, work long hours. Um, and having come from 30 years of private practice where I've, I've, I've instituted a sort of a service mentality uh, in the law department that we're, we're really always on call. So I'm, I'm checking my emails first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Um, if some of the mornings I'll, I'll get a workout in and others I'll, it'll be at the end of the day uh, before I do. Uh, Workday runs from, you know, typically around from eight to six. Um, and I'm in meetings a lot. I have uh, not only law, but corporate real estate and government affairs reporting to me. As one of the senior executives I'm in, I'm in the room when for operations, for commercial, for finance, when all the big decisions, which has been a, a privilege for me. Um, so lots of, lots of reading, lots of consulting. Um, I am um, the secretary of the board, so I have interactions with our board members and my peers, the other 19 uh, VPs, SVPs, EVPs, and my boss, the CEO, I mean, they know that I'm, I'm available to them. And I jokingly call it sometimes rabbinical services, but I'm a, I'm a confidant too. I, I'm somebody who I want them. If I'm only being turned to for a strict legal question, I, I'm not doing my job. So I'm somebody whose judgment uh, I think is respected. And so it's sort of a never a dull moment. Uh, one thing I loved about my work in private practice was no matter what my Outlook calendar said was going to happen that day, it never happened that way. It was always, it always something else happened. And you've got to embrace that. Um, that's a little less the case now that I'm here and I only have one, one client instead of uh, a whole bunch of them. But there is always something exciting or interesting uh, going on uh, here, which is, uh, which is part of what I love about my job. So you've kind of uh, positioned yourself as the consigliere of uh, <laughs> of Hawaiian Airlines, and it's a it's a great it's a great guide for most of our, our law students who want to go you know go in house counsel and um, positioning yourself in that kind of way is 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 probably awesome for you and and for the company. Yeah, it's been a it's been I've been super fortunate and lucky and blessed, and my private practice gave me a. a very solid foundation. And I had actually served as outside counsel for Hawaiian 
for several years. I brought them in as a client in 2009. So I got to know the board and the management team. And in the course of my years of private practice, opportunities would arise to join a client that was getting ready to go public or had some need, hadn't, they were growing. And, you know, and I thought about it hard uh, every now and then, um, and it was never felt right. And um, when I was asked to join the company in 2016, it, it just felt, it just felt right. I knew the company, I knew the team, I knew they were highly ethical. Um, just, just the, the, the culture was, was, was beyond, um, beyond question. So it's, so it was a big learning curve. I mean, it, airlines, it's an, it's a, it's a very unique and, and complicated business. And my exposure to it was a help and my law practice was a help, but just being committed to being a lifelong learner, which I think a lot of, a lot of lawyers are, um, just stood me in, in good stead. So what are you most worried about? Like what's keeping you up at night? You know, besides <laughs> allergies, one of you allergies in Hawaii. But what, what do you, what are you most worried about? What's keeping you up at night? Like what's, uh, what's on your mind? So um, I'm gonna find some wood to knock on, um, but Hawaiian Airlines in 95 years uh, of flying has never ever had a, a fatality based on, a, on an accident. So we have people sometimes um, pass away on, when they're traveling on us, especially to and from Las Vegas, where we fly very frequently. Um, and that we can get into that, why that is, but you might, you're at, you probably could, could do. So you have people go up and go there to party or grandma wants to have one last trip to Vegas. And, um, but it's, so I worry, I get, a, I get a notice whenever we have irregular operations, a flight gets delayed. Um, something is detected that requires us to have a mechanic. It's a mechanical uh, on the ground in California. And then what does that do to our schedule? So when planes fly across the Pacific, David, they have a much, much higher threshold or lower bar for what will keep you from flying. Many planes will come and go on the mainland and have a, a mechanical issue deferred because it's just not it's just not viewed as something that's likely to cause a problem. But we can't ever take that chance. If there's anything at all going on, we keep that plane grounded or swap it out. So, I, of course, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer, so I worry about everything. And I, I worry about, make, you know, every day being another day where we have 200 flights carrying precious cargo, our, our guests, uh, to and from. Uh, places that they're they're going to, so that's a that's sort of always a, a, a worry. But I also have complete confidence that that we're doing everything we can in that regard. Um, you know, I worry that I'm I'm being a, a, a thoughtful and good leader for my team. I I, I want to make sure that I'm helping everyone uh, maximize their opportunities here, and um, and that sometimes is uh, necessitates me telling them, yeah, you should take that offer uh, and leave. Um, my two most senior lawyers, when I joined, one is now our HR director and a SVP, and another is the general counsel for Outrigger Hotels. And they struggled with whether they should take those jobs. And I've always been, um, been a leader and, and, and a mentor who has said, what's in your best interest has to align with what's in the companies. And, 
it's in your best interest to go do this other thing. I'll miss you. It'll be hard to replace you, but that's always been my commitment. And that's been a way that I've been able to foster um, a sense of esprit de corps amongst those who report to me. Last question for me before we hit our, uh, our quickfire round, which is what does being Jewish mean to you? And um, everyone answers that question in a way that they're comfortable with and you should as well. Okay. Well, I'm proud. I'm proud to be, to be a Jew. Um, I had a, an upbringing in, in Asia and the South Pacific. And so I was often a novelty. I went to public schools here and was often called upon to explain, you know, well, you know, what, how come you guys don't celebrate Christmas or what is Hanukkah? What is Passover? So um, I, I was always, uh, I, was, I, know, I don't think I ever felt overt um, um, prejudice or anti-Semitism um, uh, growing up. Um, but it was just a curiosity. You know, I, I was, uh, we were members of a reform temple here where I was bar mitzvah, and I'm now back and a card-carrying member of the shul, which is very, very meaningful for me to have come full circle. But it's been, uh, it's been a point of pride and going to school in New England where I had a lot of Jewish friends and colleagues um, was very eye-opening and, and very meaningful. And um, I remember taking a seminar my senior year uh, that was taught by a, a well-known Jewish sociologist, I'm blanking on his name now, but it was about the Jews and assimilation and how good we were at that. And yet how much of a, um, of a challenge it is to, you know, the Jewish identity and Jewish community in Hawaii of being either fully assimilated or finding a niche where you're partially assimilated and not. Here in Hawaii, everybody assimilates and because we're we're all so from so many different cultures, so it's a little it's a little less of an issue here. Um, but it's been it's been a point of uh, of great pride. It's been part of my ethical north star to have a have faith and have and live the the principles of of, of Judaism. I personally love seeing a Jew in a Hawaiian shirt. I think it adds. Uh, <laughs> It's another, <laughs> it's another. We're everywhere. We're everywhere, we're everywhere man. You know, we're just like, we're just diaspora. You know, we're exiled. We're every yeah. like Hawaiian Airlines. You know, it's amazing. All right, up to our quick fire round. These are one word answers. You ready? Okay. Favorite movie of all time? Oh, wait. The Big Lebowski. <laughs> hey, he doesn't, bowl, he doesn't bowl on Shabbos. Uh, <laughs> favorite, favorite place to vacation? Come on. <laughs> so I love Japan. Japan is a wondrous place. Uh, most frequented app on your phone? Whew. So I'm not so I'm not on social media. They're all the work. Maybe the not only the non-work app I'm on most is ESPN. Me too. Um, <laughs> uh, executive out there who you most respect. Well, I gotta say my boss, don't I? Peter Ingram, my, my CEO. Um, I mean, there's so many amazing leaders out there in this time of, I'm just trying to think out loud who, who out there, I can think of the ones that I don't have a lot of respect for these days, but I'm, I'm struggling to find the name, uh, just one. Um, 
I can point to. Sorry. Um, best series you watched this year? Uh, Perry Mason on HBO. Love it. Oh, awesome. I got to check that out. I watched, used to watch the old series when I was a kid. Me too. It's yeah. nothing like the old series. It's nothing okay. like it, but it's edgy and uh, great, great acting. Yeah. Cool. Um, and lastly, what is one word you associate with Jewish? Just, as in justice, not as in only. That was awesome. Aaron, we're so thankful to have had you today. We really, really appreciate it. And um, everyone out there, stay safe and healthy. Thank you for joining. Aaron, aloha. Thank you so much. Aloha, aloha, David. Thank you.